Hey, what's up? My name is Stephen, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. going to read these verses that we've been reading for eight weeks. And so part of me, I'm a little torn. I'm like, finally, we're moving on. But then part of me, there's almost like this morning of, I want our people to get this. I want our people to, to, to walk. I want to be able to walk this out, to live this out. And so let's, let's read it together, okay? Um, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And verse 43 says, A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place. And that's what we're going to do next week. I'm so excited, just meeting together in one place, lifting up one name. And it says that they shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. They weren't doing it because they felt like they had to. They were doing it because they felt like they got to and they wanted to. There was joy and generosity in their attitude. And it says, all the while they were praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to the fellowship of those who were being saved. And over these eight weeks, really, we've, we've had eight different messages of what it looks like as the early church was being devoted, what happened, what took place, what was their responsibility, what was God's, and, and what I want us to walk away. And this is really with everything in our faith walk, when we're walking with God, it says that they devoted themselves, and it says that the Lord added they devoted themselves, and the Lord added. And guys, that is, that is our life with Christ. We devote ourselves to him in relationship with him, to the things that, that, that he calls us to, to the things of God, the people of God, the purpose of God. And when we do that, in our obedience, God takes care of the outcome. Our part is obedience. God's part is outcome. And so we devote, and he adds. And he doesn't even really just add. Like you look in scripture in things that God's involved in, it's not just addition, it's multiplication, because multiplication is greater than addition, right? And so we see this, and, and, and as we're reading this, it says all the believers devoted themselves, and something I remembered this morning in prayer that I said in the first message, and I've not repeated it, but I want us to not forget this either. When Luke, who's writing this, who also wrote the Gospel of Luke, when he said they devoted themselves, he wasn't giving the believers a command. Luke is simply describing what he saw 
because he was a reporter, essentially. He was, he was writing about what he experienced and what he saw. So he wasn't telling the believers they needed to be devoted. What he saw and what he experienced was that they were devoted. So it's a description of how the church was, not a command of how the church should be. And so a lot of times what we're having to preach in today's culture is we're having to preach that we need to be more devoted. When I want it to be a description of what the church is like today is that we are more devoted, right? And so it's a description, not a command. And so we're gonna look at kind of the final thing that we see, this final theme all throughout the book of Acts. And so we jump back to Acts chapter one. And Jesus, this is before he ascends into heaven in verse four, it says Jesus, once he was, he was eating with them, eating with the apostles, and he commanded them, he says, listen, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised, as I told you before. And so we know that he has a job for them. We know that, that, that he has something he wants them to accomplish, but he's saying, don't start yet. As a matter of fact, go into Jerusalem and just wait. And he says, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so they're eating, and Jesus gives this command, don't leave until you've been empowered with the Holy Spirit. And this gift, they remember because in the Gospel of John, in Jesus' final conversations with his disciples in John 14, 15, and 16, what's called like the final discourse, he's, he's praying for them, and he's talking to them, and he's giving, giving his disciples this final word of encouragement and he's saying, I must go away. And he says this in John chapter 14. He says, I must go away. And it's good that I go away. He says, because when I do, I will ask the Father, and he will send you another advocate who will never leave you. And he says, he is who? The Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. And he says, the world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and will be in you later. He is with you now and he will be in you later. And so Jesus is reminding in Acts chapter one, he's saying, I will go away and don't leave until you receive the gift that the Father has promised that I told you about. And so this is what Jesus is saying. Listen, I'm gonna go away and I'm gonna send someone and he's gonna be the advocate. He's going to be the counselor. He's going to be your encourager. He says, he's with you now, and so what he's trying to understand is that, that the presence of God is upon me, is me, and I'm with you now. But when I leave and the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit is not just gonna be with you, but where's it gonna be? Holy Spirit is gonna be in you. And, he, and, and, and so he's giving this direction. And when we look at this character, when we look at this person of the Godhead, um, of the Holy Spirit, I, I did a whole series last summer, a really, really in-depth series and did lots of, of study on, on every um, kind of angle, denominational angle from the Holy Spirit to give us a good foundation of what 
we, how we view our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so if you've been attending Avenue Church and, and you kind of wonder, like, are they Baptist? Are they Pentecostal? We're Bapticostal, in case you were wanting to know, right? So I want to encourage you, take some time and, and, and go and, and listen to that to kind of see the foundation that God has for us. Because we see the Holy Spirit as the third person of the Godhead. You have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if we're not careful, we will understand and we will talk in relationship with the Father and we will talk in relationship with the Son as a person. But if we're not careful, we will talk in relationship to the Holy Spirit as an it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person, just like Jesus is a person. Now, now how that's all going to play out and what that's going to look like when, I, like when I get to heaven, I'm not even going to try to explain it to you, because guess what? Paul says this is, a script, this, this is a mystery that we have to steward. And so it would be like, like my kids early on trying to describe their dad. No matter how hard they try, they can't fully describe their dad as a toddler. And so we will not be able to fully describe the Godhead of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit until we are before him face to face. And we're like, wow, I don't even have words, right? I don't even have words. But what I want us to understand is that the Holy Spirit is working in us and through us and around us today. And it's not just something that we see in Scripture. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. He is our helper. He is our comforter. And he is our counselor. He is with us. He is not just with us, but where? He is in us, right? And so we look in Acts chapter 1. Jesus continues in this conversation in in verse eight. He says, but you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so so now he's telling, look, this, this is my plan for you. You're going to be my witness, but in order to be my witness, you're going to need some power that you don't yet have. And, and preachers like to get on that, that word power. It's actually the word deutimus, which means it's like dynamite, right? All of my like JJ fans from back in the day are on reruns, right? He's like dynamite. Like, like I think every pastor I've ever listened to uses that joke when they talk about this, right? But he's saying, listen, there is going to be something that you receive when that happens that you don't have yet. And I don't want you to be a witness until you receive that power. And you're not going to go, and listen to me on this, you're not going to go to the ends of the earth first. That's where we think we want to jump to at the very beginning. And I'm all for missions, and we will do that. And the church that, that I've been a part of my entire life, they have an incredible global mission. But it didn't start in Africa. It started in a little one-stop light town called Adamsville. And so the power that, that God gives us through the Holy Spirit is for us to be a witness starting at home, so starting in Jerusalem, and then going to the ends of the earth. And then when we jump to Acts chapter 2, excuse me, in Acts chapter 2, we see the revealing of the Holy Spirit that's been promised. And it says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And so they're being obedient to what Jesus has called them to do. They're staying in Jerusalem. They're meeting together. And this isn't just fellowship. They're actually spending time in prayer. And it says, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house that they were sitting in. 
then what looked like, not necessarily what was, but this is the description that Luke is giving, what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gives them the ability. And, and as this is taking place, there's, there's Jews from all over the different, you know, different um, language-speaking Jews that are coming from different areas to celebrate this Pentecost holiday that is really a holiday to celebrate the harvest in the Old Testament. This was something they'd been doing every year. And for the longest time, I thought we called it like Pentecost because it was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But Pentecost was something that they had been celebrating year after year after year to celebrate the harvest that they had. But God is taking this this tradition and has now given it new meaning with a new harvest. Because as a result of the Holy Spirit being outpoured and the gospel being proclaimed in the language of everyone there, regardless, lives were transformed and changed because they're like, we hear them speaking in our own language. These guys must be drunk, right? And Peter steps forward with all boldness and says, they are not drunk as ye suppose, right? This is what was promised. And, and he begins to preach the first message without notes, and it says that thousands were added to the church that day as a result. They were pierced to the heart and said, what must we do? And so something takes place, and this is not just a one-time event that we see in the book of Acts. We see this reoccurring over and over and over and over. You cannot look through the book of Acts without addressing the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, probably some of your Bibles have it labeled as the Acts of the Apostles. And you could probably even take the Apostles out and put it the Acts of the Holy Spirit because the Apostles would be doing nothing if it weren't for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And when you do a word search, because that's the cool thing to do sometimes, I wanna see like how many times it shows up. And within the New Living Translation, Holy Spirit is in the New Testament just over a hundred times. In the book of Acts alone, it is mentioned 47 times. The next greatest number, or like the, the, the most often it's mentioned, the next greatest is in the book of Luke, and it's mentioned 14 times, still 33 more times than the next highest book. And so there is something to be said about the power and the presence that is working in the New Testament church. And so let's, let's take a look at, at what, that, what that looks like. There's, there's a couple of statements that are made, okay? I just wanna help us. There's, there's a couple of statements that are made throughout the book of Acts about the apostles and the believers in relationship to the Holy Spirit. Um, there's one that it says that, that they were full of the Holy Spirit, and we see this in Acts chapter 6, and then we see this also in Acts chapter 11, in Acts chapter 6, when the church is exploding and they're passing out all this food, and, and the apostles are like, we don't have enough time to make sure everyone gets fed. We have to commit ourselves to prayer and to the teaching of God's word, right? And so they say, look, let's find some people who are full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit, 
Let's find some men that are full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit. And then, then when Barnabas is chosen and they're talking about what an awesome guy he is, it says that he was full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. And so I got to looking, it's like, what does this mean? Because we'll also talk about it in a minute that, that there is full of the Holy Spirit, but then there's also a filling of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and we see people who are full also be filled. And I'm like, well, if they're already full, how can they be filled? There's always room for more, right? And so as I got to looking, like when we're talking about people who are full of the Holy Spirit, it says they were full of faith and full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit, it's speaking to their character. It's speaking to their nature and into in, in how they walk in step with the Holy Spirit and in their relationship with Christ. And I know tons of men of God. There are pastors in my life that have made huge impacts in my life. And I believe they are walking in the spirit. But there are also some people in my life that when I get around them, there's just something a little bit different than some of the other guys, right? It's like there's something, it's just like it's just overflowing. There is this fullness there that everyone has, right? It says we're all given a certain measure of faith. We are all given the same Holy Spirit. But there are some guys when I get around, I was just like, it just changes the atmosphere, right? And so I think when, when Luke is writing is that there, there, there are those of us that, that we have walking in this extra confidence in the Holy Spirit. Let me just say that, all right? This extra confidence. And so, so how do we get there, right? So how do we get there? It's being filled, with the Holy Spirit, being filled. So being full, in order, like, it's kind of an easy one, right? How do we get full? Guess what? You get filled, right? How do you fill up a glass? You fill up a glass. And so to get filled with the Holy Spirit, we see this happening in Acts chapter two we just read about. It's the initial outpouring. But then we also see in Acts chapter four, we see another outpouring really of the Holy Spirit. Guys, we see another outpouring. And this is right after Peter has been released from prison and they're like celebrating and, 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 and they come and they all start to pray together and they actually, they, they pray this in verse 29. Um, we'll read this a couple of times. It says, and now, O Lord, hear their threats, talking about those that are persecuting. Give us your servants great boldness in preaching your words. Stretch out your hand with healing. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through your name of your holy servant Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says that they preached with even greater boldness. And so we also see like right before Peter is to speak to the religious leaders or right before Stephen is, is testifying to who Jesus is, it's, there's, there's statements that says, and they were filled, Peter being filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, if he's already full, why is he being filled? Because God is about to use him in an unusual, supernatural way, and which requires a filling of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus told the apostles in the very beginning, don't go start your work until you receive the gift that was promised, the power of the Holy Spirit. And so as there is this feeling that happens that is meant for ministry, and we see this several, several times, giving extra strength and extra boldness and even supernatural stamina and joy. But then we also see the Holy Spirit, as, as I was reading through and everywhere that the Holy Spirit was mentioned, and so he's filling, 
But then we also see the Holy Spirit speaking. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is speaking to the apostles. And in a couple of weeks, I'm going to talk about, like, how do we know, like, like God is talking? How do we know when it's God and it's not us? Like, how do we know? And, and, and you know when you begin to understand and recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit that he's speaking in Acts 29, 8, 29. He's speaking in Acts chapter 10. He's giving directions to Philip. And, like, even in the simplest things, like even in the simplest things, in, in Acts chapter eight, when, when Philip is kind of walking and it says the Holy Spirit told Philip to go up to the carriage of the Ethiopian. And then the Holy Spirit told Philip to get inside the carriage. And when the, when the disciples were, were picking the deacons and it says the Holy Spirit told them to do that. And so we have to understand that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. He speaks to us to give us direction, to tell us what to do next, to tell us where to go, to tell us what to say, to tell us how to act. He is always speaking with us. And then the Holy Spirit is also testifying to who Jesus is. And Jesus actually told the disciples that this would be like one of his primary goals. And he says, he will come and he will testify to the world about me. Jesus says, when he comes, he will remind you of everything that I have taught you. And what's crazy, listen, he also tells the disciples this. He says, when he's telling them about persecution, He's saying, you're going to be persecuted. And he says, when you are brought before the courts, do not worry about what you're going to say. Do you know why he was telling them not to worry? Because he was going to be sending them the Holy Spirit who would tell them what to say. And so they would speak in all boldness, testifying to who Jesus was, not just because they had all the scripture memorized, not just because they were good orators and good speakers. They testified to who Jesus was because of what the Holy Spirit was telling them to say. And so when the Holy Spirit is, is working with us and in us, um, the Holy Spirit also empowers us, empowers us, supernatural courage, supernatural boldness, supernatural wisdom, the things that, that we could not normally do on our own, the Holy Spirit empowers us to do that. And this is, this is a really bad example, but this is where my brain is going right now. So this is real time. You're getting this. All my Super Nintendo folks from back in the day when you had NBA jams, remember your plan? And, 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 and when you would hit so many shots and get so many dunks in a row, like I think it was three, right? You make three shots in a row. Yeah, and the guy would come on. He's like, he's heating up, right? And so it's almost like that's what happens as we're moving in step with the Lord. And my, my brain's going there. Like the net would catch on fire and the crowd. Like it was just awesome. But as we're moving in step with the Lord, there is an empowerment that comes that we can't do the things that we do on our own. And so I want to speak to a couple of groups of people in this room. I want to speak to my Baptist folks first, right? I want to speak because I grew up there, and, and, I, and I joked about this in the series, the Holy Spirit was our Bruno. We didn't talk about Bruno. 
Like, you, like, like we didn't mention Bruno. Like, it was something in the Old Testament. He's not moving now. He is something that encouraged people then, um, but he's not doing anything now. He became a doctrine, essentially. And, and, and what I want to say to us, because I'm there too, the filling with the Holy Spirit is an experience to have, not just a doctrine to know. It's an experience to have. It's, it's, it's something God wants for you now. And, and what has happened is social media has magnified that in a negative way and that we see all the negative things that come with the outpouring and the filling and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we think that is cultic and we think that is witchcraft but we see it taking place in the book of Acts and we hear Paul talking about it in the letters to the church. It has to be something. I don't think God gives something good and then, well, okay, I'm corrected by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he gives good things and takes them away. But here's what I know is that I have seen the experience change and transforms people's lives. That you can have an opinion about a doctrine but then you can have an experience because I was a young man that had an opinion about a doctrine until I had an experience. And I heard a pastor say one time, a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man. No, a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an opinion because you can't deny someone's experience, right? And so I want us as Avenue Church as, as we grow to understand that a filling of the Holy Spirit is something that is intended for us to experience. And I don't believe it's just once because we didn't see the apostles experience it just once, that they were filled and then they were refilled and they were filled again, right? It's something that, that empowers, empowers us and, and we know that there's a change that takes place, okay? For me, I had an experience. I do not believe that, that I can be doing what I'm doing now without the empowerment and the filling of the Holy Spirit. But I want us to also look in Scripture and we see how that it completely transformed how Peter's faith was. Even after the resurrection, seeing the resurrected Jesus, having a meal with the resurrected Jesus, seeing the resurrected Jesus walk through a wall or show up in a room with locked windows and doors, crazy, miraculous things. There were still times Peter and the apostles found themselves hidden and locked in rooms for fear of the elders, fear of the religious leaders. Even while Jesus' resurrected body is walking on this earth, okay? But then Jesus says, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the gift that I promised you. John baptized with water, but the Holy Spirit will baptize with fire. Peter experiences that. And in a moment, he doesn't care what the elders think anymore. He's stepping forward in front of the elders, preaching and declaring the gospel of who God is to the fact that he is arrested and he's flogged, not caring. And he, we talked about this last week, he leaves leaping for joy, rejoicing. It wasn't a doctrine that helped him do that. It was an experience with the Holy Spirit that got him to that place. 
And so I want us to understand, I, like, like it is not, the Holy Spirit is not a doctrine that, that we talk about. The Holy Spirit is an individual that wants to empower you. He is the presence of God. He is the power. He is the Spirit of God. And he is to be experienced. You can't really know someone without having experiences with them, right? Now, let me talk to my Pentecostal folks, all right? Let me talk to my Pentecostal folks, because sometimes we can go on the other side of the ditch, and we think that the power and the presence is just meant for altar services and specific forms of ministry, and this is what we see, is that the filling of the Holy Spirit is not just a personal, supernatural experience, but it's for increased boldness for ministry and the gospel, so it's not just so that you can have Holy Ghost goosebumps and you can talk in tongues and pray in tongues and, 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 and experience all this stuff at the altar or alone in your room. It is meant to empower you on the streets of where you live and in the offices of where you work and in the families that you're a part of, that the boldness that comes with that is for a purpose, not just so that we can walk around and say that we're apostolic or charismatic or Pentecostal. Because what that does is that puts us in kind of a hierarchy in God's kingdom. And the last time I checked, there's no hierarchy that he's the ultimate authority. And we all submit and surrender to him, right? But we cannot deny the power and the presence and the moving of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I'll read this again in, in Acts chapter after four, but just remember, it's, it's not for personal supernatural experience, all the, like all the things, but it's for increased boldness, for ministry, and for the expansion of the gospel. And so in Acts chapter four, after they come back together and, and they're praying, and, and I love this, and we'll probably even read this, because this is just, like even next week, like this has just been stirring in my spirit for a couple of weeks, and, and they're praying they're praying after Peter gets out of prison. He says, Lord, stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Not just through me, not just, not just because I can say that I have the gift of healing, but through the miraculous power of the name of your servant Jesus. And it says this, after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Guys, I've been in services where it felt like the whole room shook. I've been in services where I felt like I can't stand under the pressure and the weight. And that is all great. There is nothing like being in the presence of God. There is nothing, there are times we say this, right? God's presence is always with us. But I think there are thin moments in time, that there are thin moments in interacting with, 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 with our heavenly father where it's like, man, heaven is just super close to earth right now. And, and we experience that. But it's not just so that we can experience that moment. The very next thing that the believers did is what do they do? They went out and they preached the gospel with great boldness. If that doesn't follow the filling of the, with the Holy Spirit, it's a waste. Because we're just doing it for the emotion and the feeling that we get out of it. And there's, there's healing that, listen to me, there's healing that takes place. There's breakthrough that takes place. But it's not just for you. 
It's for those that need to experience that as well. And so that feeling is to expand the gospel. And it says the Holy Spirit, it doesn't, and, you know, coming from the last, you know, man, 30 years now, almost, gosh, I used to say 20, now I have to say 30, you know, being in the, the, the spirit field, I don't even like that term, but being in settings to where the pursuit of the filling of the Holy Spirit is, is just pursued. Um, there can be this feeling at times, like if I haven't experienced this, I'm a less than believer. And I've also been around believers who had received that and they walked with that air, like I'm a little bit better than you because I pray in tongues. Paul says, I pray in tongues more than any of you, but if I do that and I don't have love, what good is that? And this is what, you know, I believe the, the Holy, like walking and, and, and receiving and outpouring and a filling and refilling of the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. Pastor Chris Hodges says it like this, it makes me better than me. Doesn't make me better than you, it makes me better than me because without that, I'm not very good, right? And so when we look at this, this is what I want us to understand. Um, the Holy Spirit is a gift received, not a reward earned, just as salvation is a gift received, it's not a reward earned. Like, there's nothing you and I can do to earn salvation. Nothing. There's no work good enough to, to us to be able to earn it. But just as salvation is a gift, the outpouring, the experience of the Holy Spirit is a gift as well. It is not. It is not because of the good things you have done. And if we're not careful, we will allow that mindset to put up a curtain, to put up a wall, but the curtain's already been ripped from top to bottom, right? It's not a reward for the good things we have done, but it is preparation for the good things that we are to do. It's for the good things and the empowerment that, that God is calling us to do. And so when we look at this, salvation is a gift, righteousness is a gift, the power that comes with the infilling of the Holy Spirit is a gift. And in all honesty, like when you look in, in scripture, it's not that he really needs our permission. He doesn't need our permission, but he wants our surrender. He wants our obedience. Now just think, Jesus told the disciples, go into Jerusalem and just wait. And what did they do? They waited. They weren't like probably some of us were. Some of us are. We wait a couple of days and nothing's happening. We try to go and we try to manipulate and we try to make and we try to make it happen. They didn't do that, praise God. They surrendered and were obedient and waited on the gift of the Holy Spirit to empower them. And so I know when, when you are a part of a non-denominational church, we have people that are coming from all different camps and all different perspectives and all different experiences. But one thing, guys, that we cannot deny is when we read the book of Acts, from Acts chapter one, actually the very first verse, Luke is talking about Jesus even speaking through the power of the Holy Spirit. All the way through the end, when Paul is led to preach and to start churches, when miracles happen and even persecution sustained and truth preached, it is all done through the direction and the power of the Holy Spirit. And for believers today and for the church today, we need that filling and indwelling and outpouring more than anything else. 
and all the other stuff is great. And we will have all those other things at some point in time, maybe, if the Lord wills it, right? But if we do not walk and carry the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, then we are just going through the motions. And so if you are a believer in Christ, if you are following Jesus, let me just encourage you, be curious. If you've not experienced a moment of a filling with the Holy Spirit, and I'm not gonna give you a prescription of what it should be, There's prescriptions on laying hands and speaking in tongues and falling out in the floor. And those, what we see in the book of Acts is not a prescription. What we see is a description of how the Holy Spirit is moving. I know people who have received an encounter with the Holy Spirit at the altar, but I've also heard of people experience it in their car, in their living room, at home, And honestly, can I just be honest? Like, I would prefer that over, this may sound bad, over a massive service where the Holy Spirit is poured out. Because when you're experiencing it just with Jesus and the Holy Spirit alone, there is nothing that can be explained away from that. Because when I had my first encounter, it was, it was after two years of fighting it. Like, as a Baptist boy, this is, this is voodoo. I'm gonna, like, I gotta, like, I gotta read this. Like, I gotta read this and I gotta know. And then on a Sunday night when service was almost, the room was almost empty. Um, I can't account it to the music being loud. I can't account it. We didn't have LED lights then. We had can lights and burgundy carpet. It was great. <laughs> right? But to know that you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit in the quietness of your room when it's just you and him, no one can explain that away. And that is my desire for you, that you would experience God, that you would experience the Holy Spirit in your place. But then you take what you experience it and we bring it into this place. And we magnify the Lord, right? And we magnify the Lord so that those who may be far from him will know that there is something that they're missing out on. And it's not found in a place, but it's found in a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with him, before you even get to understanding the Holy Spirit, you have to have a relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. And you don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to get things in order. You simply have to just surrender and accept the gift. You don't get cleaned up before you take a shower. You just get in the shower because you're dirty. You don't get cleaned up before you come to Jesus. You just come to Jesus and he cleans you up. And so whether you're here today and you have no relationship with Christ or maybe you walked with him for a season but you've walked away like the prodigal son and you're having a moment where it says the prodigal son came to himself and he came back home, maybe that's you today. Um, I wanna pray for you. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, we're gonna do this just so that I know who I'm praying for and praying with. And I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand and if that's you and you feel the Holy Spirit just kind of tugging on you for salvation, surrendering your sin and your life to him, I wanna invite you just to lift your hand. It doesn't save you, it just lets me know who, whose heart God is working on so that I can be praying with you. Awesome, awesome. 
I want to do one more thing. And if you're here today and you want the more of God, you want to an encounter and experience with him, not just know the Holy Spirit as a doctrine, but you want a personal experience and empowering with him that will bring you out of locked hidden doors that you've placed yourself in into the boldness and the authority that God has for your life through an encounter and a filling with the Holy Spirit. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to invite you to lift your hand and I want to pray for you as well. Awesome. Awesome. All right, look up here at me, guys. Here's what we're going to do. Um, if, actually, if you'll stand with me, we'll stand for this prayer just to kind of bring our bodies and spirits and mind kind of into attention and I'll want us to just to pray for that. If you raised your hand for salvation, I'm not going to ask you to repeat after me. I'm going to ask you at some point in your prayer to say, Jesus, I give you my life. And that is surrender. That is submission. That is repentance. Because in order to give something to someone, you have to turn in the direction of that someone. And so we're turning our hearts, our minds towards Christ and surrendering to him and believing that what scripture says that, that when we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that, that Jesus is Lord, that all are saved. It says all those who are in Christ are a new creation. All the old is gone and all things are made new. Now, for those of us who raised our hand and say, I want that outpouring, I want to experience that. Jesus says that if, if us, if you, if you being a good father, when your children ask something from you, you're going to give them what they ask for. You're not going to give them what they don't ask for. And he says, how much greater is our father in heaven that will give us the Holy Spirit when we ask? And so I'm going to pray that, that for you and that you would not meet God on your terms, but you would meet him on his terms this week in your way, and you would encounter the Holy Spirit in a way that is undescribable, but also undeniable, regardless of anyone's opinion. Can we just pray together? Father, just come to you this morning. I thank you so much for the power of your word, and I thank you for what we see in the book of Acts, and a, a nation of people that is transformed, not just by the acts of apostles, but but by men empowered through your Holy Spirit. And Father, it is your Holy Spirit that brings rebirth in our life. Your word says that as your spirit joins with our spirit, that we are able to call out Abba, Father that we are no longer bound by a spirit of fear, but we are called your sons and daughters. And so, Father, I pray that those that lifted their hand, needing a relationship with you, God, that in this moment, God, that you are, are bringing that into their life as they receive the gift that has always been there, as they acknowledge the authority of you that has always been there. God, they receive freedom. They receive forgiveness. They receive transformation. God, I pray that you would order their steps from this day forward. And God, for those of us that want a fresh touch from you, God, a fresh encounter to know the power and the presence of your spirit, not just from a doctrinal standpoint, but from an experience that we cannot deny, regardless of what the so-called evidence is, God, the, the primary thing that we pursue is a boldness and a passion 
for you. Not just to stay in our moment with you, but to share that with those around us. And so, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be released, God, this week in times of quietness, in times of solitude, in times of praise, in times of worship. God, that there would be an outpouring and a filling and a shaking of wherever we are, God. And it would not be just for us, but it would be to help transform a world that you have have placed us in. And so, God, we thank you for what you've done in hearts and lives today, God, and that we walk in, in all authority, not of our own, but of yours. We walk in all freedom and not of ours, but of yours, and in all peace, not of ours, but of yours, Father. And God, I just pray that your hand of protection would be over every person, that your, your heart of wisdom would direct every person, God, that your spirit would lead us, would guide us and speak to us and empower us. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, 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 amen. Bye.